What's going on, Chicago? You know what it is. It's your man Terrence Tomlin, co-founder of The Bigs, checking in because it's about time we jump into this podcast world, lend our voices to the Chicago Bulls beat. We got a bunch of things to discuss, man, on this brand new podcast we're calling Bulldoze. If you've been sticking around The Bigs, you, that name may be a little bit familiar. We've rocked that name before. This is officially the re-rock of Bulldoze. And I'm looking forward to what we got in store, man, all season long for the Chicago Bulls and the Bigs coverage. Y'all know how I'm coming, man. I'm not by myself. I got my brother, the one and only Eugene McIntosh with me, co-founder of the Bigs. What's the Binoski? My other two brothers joining us. I'm so happy to welcome these guys to the team, man. I can't wait for them to lay out everything they have in store for you through all 82 games of the Chicago Bulls season, man. Drew Stevens. My boy Joshua M. Hicks, what's going on? What's up, man? Happy to be here with y'all. What's good to be alive, my brother? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, man, me and Gino are never mad when we got a few extra hands on deck. And I, but these ain't just some extra hands, man. You guys have put in some work. Uh, me and Gene have always been in tune, have always respected and loved what we saw. And we feel honored to have y'all on board, bro. I feel like the Bulls about to get that work. You feel me? Yes, sir. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they are. It's gonna, they, they, they're gonna know. Oh yeah, yes, oh yeah. Yes, sir, man. So without further ado, I told told the guys we were gonna jump right into it. The Chicago Bulls season kicks off a week from today. We're recording this on Wednesday, a week from when the season gets started on October nineteenth, down in Miami versus Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. This is a Chicago Bulls team that went forty six and thirty six last season. Good enough for sixth in the East. Also good enough to get bounced out in the first round in five games by the Milwaukee Bucks. We all saw it. The, the, the huge gap in between that upper echelon in the East and everybody else was on full display. And now we're wondering if the Bulls have done anything to close that gap. You feel me? I'm one, you know, we looked at the, uh, the offseason moves. By now, everybody knows what's going on. Andre Drummond. Uh, who else, guys? Help me out a little bit. Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic. Draft uh, Dalen Terry. Dalen Terry, a draft pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, really looking like the Energizer Bunny out there. You know, he's bringing the aggression and the energy. Um, but on top of that, really leaning on continuity after that. You know what I mean? Zach Levine, Pat Williams, DeMar uh, DeRozan, Io, who we know now is going to be the starting point guard in, in place of Lonzo Ball. Right. Um, Caruso was running it back. So you got a core that has been here and really put in a lot of minutes last year. And the front office is telling us that that is that familiarity is what is going to get the Bulls over the hump for this second run for these guys. But hey, that's what we're here to discuss. What Gino? What exactly is what exactly is over the hump? <laughs> I guess it wouldn't it would mean not a first round exit. You feel me? I guess the if the goal is to get better every year, then a first round exit can't be acceptable this year. Am I right? Yeah, you're hundred percent right. But as far as I think one thing that the Bulls should have learned from last season from making the offs and getting bounced in the first round, finishing sixth in the East. I know Zoe was gone, Caruso missed some time after the Grayson Allen incident, you know, health plays a factor all throughout the league so you can't really lean on that as an excuse but i think for a team that was first in the east for a lot of the season 
what I think they needed to realize were teams who are formidable opponents, teams that are really championship caliber, they cruise through the regular season. They don't go as hard, you know, in that first half of the season where the Bulls, I mean, they had DeMar was his first year. Caruso was getting, you know, Zoe, all of those new guys were trying to find their roles. Voot, you know, came around. So with those guys really trying to find themselves with the team and, you know, just trying to find their flow, I think they kind of, they went all out. And I think it kind of came to a crash landing at the end when a lot of those other teams were just ramping up. When you look at, you know, the Bucks and, and, and Philly and Boston and, you know, the upper echelon teams in the East, they really got it going that last, I would say, if we want to break the season down in the quarters, that last quarter of the season, that's when they started ramping up, getting making sure everybody was healthy so they could get ready to make that run. So that's really my takeaway from what, I expect from those guys this year. They knew what it take, you know, they knew what it took to get there. Now, how do you sustain and how are you able to keep yourselves healthy to make that run, you know, to like you said, to even get to the second round of the playoffs, depending on where they finish. Cause hey man, every me and Josh talked about this last night for about 30 minutes. Everybody else in the East got better, man. I mean, Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond. And adding Dale and Terry, I mean, that made the Bulls better too, but how much better when you look at Cleveland and all-star level Donovan Mitchell and you Spider. look at Boston after, you know, bringing in Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon, which was really their issue. You know, Marcus Smart, you know, Marcus Smart is that guy, but at the end of the day, you know, Malcolm Brogdon is going to bring what the Boston Celtics really need. So you keep Definitely looking around at other teams. They've all upgraded at specific positions and needed positions. So, you know, I'm I'm interested to see where Billy can take these guys, man. Yeah, bro. I, you know, I really thought that in that Milwaukee series in the playoffs last year, the team just looked like they, you know, they had gassed out. They had they had maxed out on every single piece of their potential, and that was undoubtedly the end. It was no way that they were going to get past the Milwaukee Bucks, even with them losing Chris Middleton. And, Which, and don't forget, Zach, you know, that we didn't have Zach for them last couple games, but I feel like even with Zach, we were still cooked. Like, they mm -hmm. just – Milwaukee was the better team. So, you know. So, so Drew, man, they, they added Andre Drummond and all the guys we just talked about. Do you think they addressed the needs? Like, do you think that they kind of did their homework and came out on the other side of this offseason a better team? I mean, unless Andre Drummond is about to block a shot or two a game and knock down three threes like he did against Toronto, then nah, we we we're not counting on on him to be able to do that or to be able to sustain that level of uh, play that he had during the, during the preseason. So no, they they really didn't address their two biggest needs. They like like Gino said, like they they got two players in Drummond and in Dragic that helped for sure, but. There's still not enough three-point shooting, I don't think. There's still not enough defenders on this team, especially like wind, wing defenders. Um, you know, P. Will, man. <laughs> P. Will is an interesting, interesting uh, kind of case study here, man. We he, he, he by default is like supposed to be the best wing defender on the team. Um, but because he, he's taken a while to kind of click with the starters, just click in general, it, it puts so much of a such so much more of an onus on Alex Caruso to have to play up a up a position or two. 
put so much more onus on everybody else with Lonzo Ball being out. So it's they, they really didn't address, like I said, those two biggest needs, and it just it puts a strain or even more pressure on everything else. Like DeMar has to be the DeMar he was last season. Zach has to be like all-star, not even all-star. Zach has to be like all NBA caliber. All day. Um, P. Will has to start showing something more, which at this point, I don't want to say he is what he is because I, I do understand that he missed a lot of time last season. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to like just poo-poo that, but so many things have to go right for them that don't have to go right for the more substantial contenders in the Eastern Conference, where it just it, it paints a picture of them having like a, a play-in type season, man. You know. See, and that's interesting because, and we'll touch on it a little bit later, that would be, you know, a step backwards. You know what I mean? That that, that would totally be, in a couple of years ago, that's, you know, a, you're talking about a team that's not a playoff team, you know? So, um, Josh, this kind of leads me to, you know, we've seen some preseason games. You, I think you've been to all the home games, or, or a majority of them, man. I was at the one with you when Jalen Green uh, started in place of Pat Will, and you both, you know, we both know what our first thought was. What the Javante, hell? Was Javante Green, man. Javante Green. <laughs> our boy Javante Green. And I guess I should get used to saying his name because he's, he's looking like he's going to start the season as the starter at that four position. Yep. Uh, a spot that I thought as long as Pat Will was healthy, it was his. Obviously, Billy Donovan and the, and the coaching staff are considering some other things and are a little bit more liberal with that spot than I expected it, uh, where I expected him to be. So on one hand, I understand it, and I kind of appreciate the coaching staff not giving Pat, just giving Pat Will that spot. On the other hand, I'm looking at Pat Will like, man, you were the fourth pick in this draft. Everything that the Bulls had planned kind of is predicated with the idea that they have a very impactful player that they took at that fourth spot in the draft with Pat Williams. Based on some of the comments we've heard in the preseason so far, I, I don't know if I could say that Pat Will views this like that. I feel like this is more of a situation where it's similar, similar to the decision he made in college where he's completely welcoming and open, uh, open to this six-man bench role Huff. And obviously, that's not what he was drafted for. I definitely want to know where are you guys' thoughts on this Patrick Williams situation? And do you think this is just, like you said, Drew, the, the beginning of him trying to knock the dust off because he's been away from the court so long and, and so much? Man, look, look here. I'm, I'm going to take this a step further. Um, I'm not even going to blame P. Will. I'm going to blame this front office. There you go. <laughs> because let's be serious. Yeah, understand he's your guy. That's Arturis's first pick he ever made as the president of operations with Mark Eversley, the GM, in this new Acme era of ownership, of front, of front office management. I get that, you know, he's your guy. So you have that special emotional attachment. It's like it's like the it's like you losing your it's like you losing your virginity to to your one girl, you know? It's just that extra connection where you know, you can't get rid of it. it's hard to let that thing go. Uh it's <laughs> so a soul tie, huh? It's a soul tie. Like I understand. But at the same time, let's be serious here. Pat has struggled to play a full season healthy. 
has not, yeah he's developing but he you know you can just tell just like you said from the offseason and from the games he don't have that it factor per se that you would need out of him to help take this thing to the next level and on top of that the front office you have plenty of chances to trade him and get good quality right now players to assist a right now winning team with Zach Levine, Vucevic, and DeMar. So since you didn't pull the trigger when you had plenty of time to do so, you better hope that will comes through because otherwise you just lost value. That can come to bite you in the butt if it doesn't even perform at the level you want in the first half of the season come trade deadline. So I'm blaming, I'm blaming the front office with this because you really you literally told us from the jump, yeah, you stuck to your guns, you want a continuity, and that included keeping Pat Williams and hoping that he will stay healthy and develop in such a way where you can get quiet-esque value for a cheaper price. I get it, you know, but at the same time, if you're really trying to win and trying to go all in, your window of opportunity is very small with DeMar DeRozan at the front and Vooch as your third option. So you got to you got to start making you got to be aggressive. And you know that and we know they have the capability of doing that cuz they flipped over a whole roster in the season. So mm-hmm. we know they have the capability of doing that. But how much further are you going to go? You just gave us you just said in the, in the I want to say at the beginning of the preseason ownership gave you the green light to do whatever you got to do to take this right. to the next level. Right. There's no excuses for you guys now. You gotta be willing to take that next level, even if it even if it does include putting Billy Donovan in check. You got you, you gotta be able to pull those triggers. And I wanna see if they do that. Because history tells me it depends on the soul tie. <laughs> True that. <laughs> hey man. Go hey, ahead, man. Drew, you can take it from here. <laughs> Last night I heard way too many. He shown he sh- he showed flashes of what he could do last night, bro. That man had twenty two five and five against three G leaguers and two guys is gonna have a regular gig next week. I don't want to hear that, brother. I was not impressed at all. Stop stop the shenanigans, man. Next week, Jimmy buckets, Bam Adebayo, uh, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson. Okay, give me, show me some flashes then, and then we can talk. Until then, I'm off the P wheel train, bro. I can't really, I can't be mad at anybody who feels that way, man. Because, like I said, that that rope people want to keep giving P wheel is getting shorter and shorter, man. Um, I will say this: like, I don't think his his without taking the stats out of it, I don't think his his preseason has been terrible. That's a low bar. I understand that. But I, I feel like there's been some steps in terms of just him him reacting, him not just being out there thinking the game and thinking too much and, um, you know, just catching and going, whatever it's going to be. But things are just kind of jumbled with this team, with this franchise from the standpoint. My, my thinking is, you know, Billy talks about wanting to play more open. He wants to run. He wants to spread things out, play five out. But you have Vucevic and you have DeMar DeRozan on the squad, two guys that that doesn't necessarily play to, especially in the case of DeMar DeRozan. I know you're not you're not talking about trying to play and transition the entire game. That's not possible. That's not even the MO of this team, given the lack of defenders they got. But 
it's just things. It's 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 not it's not as it's not quite as bad as like um, the three alphas era, where, where beforehand they're talking about yeah, we want to run, we want to be this and that, and you bring in Rondo and D Wade to match up with Jimmy Butler. It's not that, but it's also just not quite the cohesiveness of what they're trying to do. I, I don't know if it if it's really if it's really possible for it to match for real for real. Um, I think Vucevic gets a lot of a lot of uh, bad criticism. I understand that he shot terribly from long range last season, but he does so much for this team. Right. Um, spaces the floor for them, at least the threat of him doing that. Uh, but they need to be able to try to change how they kind of operate a little bit, man. I, I threw this out there last season, or maybe this, it was this summer, the idea of them maybe trying to play through him at first, initially. Get him going, you know. He let him see a couple shots drop, and then see if he can step out and how that translates to long range. But, um, you know, when they got caught up in playing with Demar Derozan and, you know, the level of heroics he showed last season, Zach getting hurt, things just kind of maneuvered in a way where they had to depend on him to do that those types of things. But I just think the philosophy is just kind of I don't know. I don't know how well it's, it's going to mesh this season. And again, to go back on my earlier point, it puts so much more pressure on everybody, man, to be damn near perfect, man. Like, right. you know, um, and again, to your point, Josh, to your point, Gino, about the front office, Javante Green starting for the Bulls says just as much about the front office as it does Patrick Williams. I know that they tried to go out and grab the uh, little Gallinari this um, offseason. That would have been a nice pickup. I don't know if, that, if he would have meant getting over the hump, but he at least would provide them some size and some size who can shoot. Well, you see what happened to Gallo, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So I guess you could say they dodged a bullet in that in right. that case. But I'm right. Man, I, I just don't know, man. I just don't know. And then, Josh, you, you mentioned that um, – Acme kind of has free reign, but I don't even know if that's true because I'm not even sure where the where the dwarfs are in terms of spending money. You know, that's, and, and that's the thing, though. Well, that's well, the thing. That's what I want to pay attention to because I think I no. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying like, that's what I want to pay attention to because it's it's kind of that fine line where it's like that's really the biggest issue with any of the moves that they want to do moving forward. It's the money thing. We've, they've shown that they, they want to trade players and get quality talent. They're willing to do that. They've done that for the, for literally two off-seasons now. But what price are you willing to pay to get the top talent that Chicago not only needs but deserves to really get to that next hump? Because I'm sick and tired of talking about second, uh, talking about another hump, and that other hump is just another hump. on the same, It's the same hump, but it looks like a camel. <laughs> like, you know, you, the hump should be play up, should be – Finals are bust. Like that's yeah. how it should be every year. So we shouldn't have to be talking about, oh, let's just try to get to the second at second uh round. Or maybe at least if we go to the first round, let's get knocked out at six instead of five. Like, mm -hmm. nah, that's just horrible. Like let's go for the finals. This is Chicago basketball. So if you want to get there, you gotta elevate the standard of getting there. You ain't gonna get it with these guys. So you know what, Josh, I, I a thousand percent feel you because I feel like in about ninety-five percent of the Bulls conversations I hear. I feel like they avoid or run from this fact, and it may be the biggest fact surrounding this team. They do not have the firepower. 
You know I mean, they do not have the firepower, the star power at the top of this roster to be to hang with the 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 top two or three teams in the East or to be a championship contending team. Or T. But but this goes back to our conversation with Jed Hoyer on Monday. And when you talk about when I asked him, I said, when you you know, you guys talk about adding depth and adding these pieces to the team that I mean, obviously you need depth in sports to be able to compete at the end and fill those specific uh, pieces in the lineup to, to make this thing work. But also when you look around the league at the teams that are still playing and we're talking about baseball. The Yankees, they got Aaron Judge and Stanton. Uh-huh. The Padres, they got Machado and Soto. The, hey, the Phillies, they got the Phillies, they got Bryce Harper. What uh-huh. keep on naming teams? They have star power. So where is star power on the priority list for you guys? So from back to the Bulls, it's like Jerry. How much? How much? We talk about spending the money. How much free reign is he giving Michael Reinsdorf to really run this team? Because T, we met with Mike. Remember, we had that media run back in 18, and we said and we talked with Mike, and Mike is a pretty progressive guy. And I think if the rent, if if it's if it is free reign like that saying, then I think Mike will pull the trigger. But if not, then that just goes to show me that he doesn't have as much free reign as we think they do, Joe. Mm. Yeah, you know what I think the issue is, guys, real quick. I'm gonna throw this throw this at you guys. The player that you guys are talking about, the Bulls. Thought they traded for him a few years ago in Zach Levine. The player that you guys are talking about is the player that that, that the Bulls just maxed out. <laughs> when they traded for him, that's who Zach Levine had to become at some point in his maturation, at some point in his development. They were betting on him becoming that that guy, you know? I I think that they were really marketing was supposed to be that dude i'm not oh saying zach was a, zach oh was not, i'm not saying zach was a throwaway but the dude was supposed to be marketing oh my god <laughs> what, a, what another terrible decision by that front office man bro at least that man. wasn't ak and them so yeah, you know, yeah exactly we're not gonna charge that we're not gonna charge <laughs> that specific group yeah. but, but, but i mean i mean i get it i get it you I, i'm not Going against Zach on this because okay, no, he has, let's, he let's, has gone up. He has improved every level every year since he has been in Chicago to a point where he is now. So okay. I'm glad you know we have that, but he isn't a number one. He may be like a one A, one B. He ain't no number one. So what are we talking about then, man? <laughs> I am talking about getting the best of the best. Damn it, I'm getting the best of the best. I guess that's he just made your point for you, Gino. If Zach Levine, who's supposed to be your 1A, 1B, or your 1A, in the grand scheme of things, when we, when we take the Eastern Conference and we look at all the true 1A and he falls way down, that's it right there, right? Let me and, ask and again, that's, not, that's nothing against Zach. That's nothing. He didn't – I mean, he put in the work to get this money. I'm not taking anything away from him. Right. You know what I'm saying? But – I mean, it is what it is, bro. Like, it is what it is, bro. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. At least, you know, if if, if they can somehow pull a trigger for another big-time player and not have to trade Zach, which I don't know how realistic that is, he's very, like, malleable. Like, he can play with probably anybody in the league um, with the type of game that he has. So I at least will give him that, you know? So is that the ceiling we're talking about with Zach? We're talking about the uh, – 
a sidekick, Scottie Pippen action? Like, is, is that who Zach Levine is to you guys? See, this is what me and Zach, this is what me and this is another conversation me and Josh were having last night. And it's like, Zach Levine is easily top five most athletic guy in the league. What Drew just said and Josh just said, we know he works on his game during the offseason. We know he has a high skill set. He has a high skill level. I know his trainer. So I know, mm. you know Drew trains, he trains Brad, he trains Joel, he trains Jason Tatum, he trains Zach. Those are four of the most elite players in the league. So I know we know what Zach does in the offseason. My thing is, and I don't want it to sound well take it how you want (laughs) i just think zach is soft Mm. in in what way and what were you talking about like taking how you you tell me because i i know you agree with me somehow he ain't going to the he he i don't i just he takes a lot of hard shots he can make them i'm not i'm not against that but he takes a lot of unnecessary tough shots when he doesn't have to when i feel like he could get to the line six seven eight nine times a game if he would just go to the basket commit himself to going to the basket now i understand he's had the injuries he had the knee injuries there are a lot of miles on those knees he's still a young guy let's not get it twisted zach is still young in age but he's got a lot of miles on those knees so i understand i feel like i understand his thought process you know but I, I just I wish he would make a more concerted effort to get to the line, get down at the rim. Not, not many guys are gonna challenge you at the rim, Joe. Joel might challenge you. Uh, uh, Steven, uh, what's my guy? Steven Adams might challenge you. Mm-hmm. Go over. Yes. You know, it's a couple guys in the league that'll challenge you. Other than that, I feel like Zach he could put more pressure on the defense and take a little more pressure off of those other guys which is what me and Josh were talking about. Two things I need to see from Zach this year. He needs to be more of a playmaker. DeMar DeRozan does not need to average 27, 28 a game anymore. And most, more importantly, the other side of the ball. Every night, every night, Josh, what did I tell you last night? Every night, he has to go to Billy Donovan and say, Billy, that's me tonight. Bradley Bill, that's me tonight. Devin Booker, that's me tonight. Kyrie, who I don't care who it is. No, not KD. No, not uh, 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 Jason Tatum, because those guys are 6'8", 6, 6'9", 6, 6, But Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Stephen Curry, all of them guys, Zach needs to go to Billy Donovan on a nightly basis and say, that's me, and I ain't having it no other way, man. You gotta. That's the only way for him to step up to the challenge to me. He's going to average – 25 5 and 5 he's gonna shoot 48 percent from the field he's gonna do all of that statistical stuff but my i tell y'all all the time my eye test reigns supreme man and if i don't see that from zach then i just i i just can't go yeah my biggest thing you know is that especially on that defensive comment i, I feel like that's far-fetched because i i feel like didn't we ask him to do that last year wasn't that the expectation that the well he wasn't was fully he he, he wasn't healthy, T. Now he's fully healthy. So no so, excuses now. And I, this this is going to probably make it this. I don't know if this makes it sound better or worse, but I saw like the effort from everybody when Lonzo was in there. Like, I don't know if the, the vibes, everything was just cooking. 
you know, everything is so much better when, when you win him. But like I saw the effort and I think Zach, he's a better on ball defender than his off ball defender. Like to me, he loses focus a lot. Yeah. And it's not just that. There's a lot of them cats. Like, um, you know, while people are banging on Vooch, like who's, who's protecting Vooch? You right. know, when Vooch steps up, when people get right. beat off the dribble on the pick and roll, who's, who's protecting him? Like the rotation has got to be tighter. And that goes back to, to not only the players, but Billy as well, like being all these guys, like, bro, 100%. If y'all want to win, Zach, you say you want to be not only an all-star, not only recognized for what you could do offensively. You you talked about being a defensive, like a, a all-defensive team member. Like, let me see it. You showed it in the Olympics. Let me see it. Hey, you when, you had, hey when you had to. Yeah. Hey, there you exactly. go. Exactly, exactly. But that's that point. But that's also uh, another point that Gino and I talked about too. You, he has to have like that Mamba mentality to really get that drive to take him to that next level. He ain't oh, got you know, that. He, you know he ain't like you, you know what you used to call Zach Levine a couple seasons ago? Kobe Levine. <laughs> yeah, I man, thought, it was thought he was Kobe. Oh my God. <laughs> this 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 is what worries me, man, because and this can this can relate to, to Patrick Williams as well. There's certain things that you can learn. Being a dog, being somebody who's aggressive, assertive, takes on every challenge in the book works to get better every day you either have it or you don't like it's not something that you're going to pick up that's what worries me about patrick williams um now that we're talking about this now that's what worries me about this whole team it's just Facts. yes tomorrow so, so, ready to run through a brick a brick wall but that man he ain't playing much defense either not, say it again <laughs> <laughs> so it's like bro and y'all not about to just outscore everybody you just you just not like Especially if you're not getting easy buckets in transition with Lazo being out. Right. Um, I, I, I love Ayo Desumu, of course. That's all shot yeah. brother, but he's not the same player as Lonzo. I don't think anybody's expecting him to be that, but he's not the type that's gonna get them out in transition constantly and pushing the pace and you know the quick hitting plays off um, off misses. I just it's, this team's in a tough spot, man. But, I, but look, but look, also what you said, I think it was a key point about how the defense and the effort was when Lonzo was there. When you got your defensive leader there, then you got to fall in line. Mm-hmm. When he ain't there, exactly. It's, exactly. It's, it's a free fall. That's mm-hmm. almost like taking the head off. Yeah. You know? And then everything else is just running yeah. haphazardly. You feel yeah. me? Yeah. But um, you know what? And, and you mentioned that the things we were saying about Pat Will – kind of go to so many other players on this team and honestly that's what was crossing my mind as we talked to pat will i'm like i talked about pat will i'm like damn are we talking about kobe <laughs> oh, damn, no, no, we talking about, talking about zach right no no he, i feel like that aggressive that aggressiveness uh issue and it being in you or or not in you is is a question i feel like this team is facing as a whole Mm. You know I mean, and I, I see it even in the preseason when I feel like Io is stepping into the leadership role. And I'm like, where is Zach? How is Zach not the face and the voice of this team inside and outside the locker room in front of the media? I want us to be I want Zach to be handling this stuff, not Io. And that's of course, I feel like it's naturally in Io. Right. That's who that's who Io has been at every level of basketball that we've been able to see him play. But look, time but is, to your to your point, Drew. 
yo, we that's somebody that's somebody else's shoes at this level. I feel, you and know? that's that's why Javante Green is about to start. That's why he's so important to this team. To take his spot. That's hey, that's that's why Dalen Terry is going to force his way into the lineup because even though he's going to make mistakes, he's going to turn the ball over because he's you know his eyes and his and his um. You know, it's things that ain't going to match up all the time because it's going to be right. quick pace. But right, my man right. is going to play. He's going to go to the rim. He's going to try to guard whoever. He don't care. Like, you saw the first play he got in against um, the Pelicans. My man picked up a foul on, on Devontae Graham that he didn't think was a foul. He let it be known. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, they need him in that lineup to some degree. I don't know how much, but, right. like, those personalities got to be there. If Dalen Terry is getting minutes – is that a good thing or a bad thing for this team? One and the same. <laughs> I feel like we saw Io really ascend because he was able to, you know, to embrace that next man up mentality. Uh, of course, the injuries to Lonzo and um, and Alex Caruso kind of blessed him into the fire. I'm wondering if, if that kind of changed Billy Donovan's, you know, the way he views playing rookies and everything like that. I know that we spent a lot of time talking about aggressiveness, but Dalen Terry didn't have that issue. You, you feel me? Dalen Terry, I feel like, has the classic dog mindset of he don't care when he's in the game. It's going to be one level, pedal to the floor. And I love that kind of player. I'm looking at the roster right now, though. I'm wondering how good he has to be to play it. Like, is, you know, where's where's his minutes come from? What do you guys think? It's what Drew said. It's 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 the need yep. more than because like Drew said, he's gonna make. He's a rookie. His thing. It was the preseason. Once this regular season comes, and you gonna see these same eight, seven to eight guys every night. It's you know he's gonna be learning on the flies, like throwing them into the fire. But there's gonna be that need there. You know you're gonna get the effort. You know you're gonna get the energy. He's gonna make mistakes, but he's also gonna come up big in some form or fashion. So. I think the the main thing about Dale and Terry and T, you know, I was I I kind of caught on to Arizona, you know, under the under the DraftKings Act last year. Yes, sir. So I, I watched I watched Arizona for like the last maybe ten games of the season into the the uh, the uh, what 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 conference are they in? Come on, late. the late the games that come on later. Pac twelve. Pac twelve. Yeah. You know, so I caught a lot of Pac-12 uh, conference games and then into the tournament. And the thing about Dalen Terry is he took lesser of a role on that team because he had the two big guys and he had uh, my other guy that, you know, was scoring 30 a night damn near. So he took on lesser of a role being a playmaker, uh, being more of a defender and just really doing what that team needed to get done for the success of the squad in general. Now with the Bulls, you know, he's going to have to have that same – I guess he'll have that same role, kind of just trying to get in where Billy needs him to fit in. But he, you know, he wasn't known as much of a shooter. He can shoot the ball. You know what I'm saying? He's athletic. He gets to the rim. He's not afraid. So those things are gonna come in handy when you talk about like where's the where the minutes gonna come. Like me and Josh were saying, that backcourt, which you got Io starting, obviously Zoe is gone, but you got Caruso. Uh, you got Kobe, who basically got a, a make or break season. You know, depending on how you want to play positionless basketball, Javante Green is really a guard when you if if you really want to be, you know, you want to look at it as size wise. Mm -hmm. So if with him cracking that lineup, man, I feel like, you know, it's a good and bad thing. I think it's good because you 
you you got the guy in the first round who you you know it's like no this guy's gonna be part of this thing moving forward but on the flip side whose minutes is he taking when you look at the bench and you look down it's like well who should be in the game instead of dale and terry and you look and you like damn is it kobe is it patrick williams who is it so i don't know man see i think dale and terry is a slow kobe white start to the season away from being in that rotation i was thinking the same thing (laughs) if kobe come in and that shot ain't hidden is that all he's worth kobe that that's that's his biggest worth to this team yeah is yeah, that, that three-point uh, shot man he, 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 that's <laughs> that's his biggest role because you saw what it was like when he finally had a chance to run point guard and he got no way half the time no way I, that wasn't that no wasn't way. his role he where he's currently put right now position wise it's the sixth man coming off the bench and giving a spark to the second unit that is where Kobe White excels the most. The yeah. problem is, though, is he has to be hitting on a more consistent basis. Now, granted, last year, you know, even with him playing full season, he had the, uh, the injury, things of sort. He did shoot. That was his best shooting year out of, all, out, of, out of his years in the NBA. I think he shot close to 40% from three. So that was a good sign. However, this is Kobe's chance for, for, for him not to only have a full offseason, but to have a full season where he's actually going to be playing a consistent role. How How, how is he going to uh, respond? Contract year. Contract year and everything. Yeah. Like, what is that going to look like? So that's something that's something to pay attention to. But, I, but, Drew, but Drew got a point. I, we, we talked about how he could, how Dale and Terry could have an IOS season from an emergence perspective. Come knock on wood, something happened. Uh-huh. And Kobe right, and Kobe's not coming through like we, like you think. Billy Donovan will make that move. So, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at his stats, and Kobe is a, a career 35, 36% three point shooter. And that almost means you're not a three point shooter. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm, I'm totally looking for Kobe to, to, to find a way to provide somebody's spot. But I definitely agree with Drew more than anything. His spot is, is low hanging fruit for a guy like Dalen Terry, who, who, like Billy Donovan said during the preseason, feels like he should be starting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, like you said, Drew, Kobe is another guy who I'm looking at at the trade deadline. What will the options be for this guy? You know, will he have played well enough? Will you feel like, will you feel like he brings enough to your team to keep him? Or are you still, you know, going to dangle him out there to the rest of the league where we've we heard all kind of reports over the last year that that's something that they've been doing? And they should have been tried to get they should, they should have been trying to get Jordan Clarkson for him, man. Find a way to package him up and get Jordan Clarkson and, and sure up that firepower off the oak. You know it's 17, 18 a game, regardless of what type of night the guy's having. He's gonna Gino, get that. The fact that that's been like a rumor and we haven't really seen any any real come from it. I feel like that's a a, a a glimpse into seeing how people view the the pieces that the Bulls may have to move. It's like Kobe and them ain't making nobody jump right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's part of the problem sure. too. Yeah, and, and it's gonna it's gonna take some some good play from them early on in this season to kind of revitalize that interest. If not, then these players may be the Bulls' problems for the long haul. You know what I mean? Until the summer, where 
then you just lose Kobe for nothing if you don't want to sign him. But right, right. And I feel like the Bulls, honestly, they're in a position where they they have their backs against the walls, but they're trying to not act like it. Yeah, you know I mean, they're trying to carry on this narrative that this is an up and coming team. When I feel like in reality, this is a team that quite possibly has reached their full potential. <laughs> you know, as is, that we've seen the best of what this bunch can produce. Um, and that's considering the fact that we have no idea when Lonzo will be available to this team. Uh, he did get his surgery, his arthroscopic surgery that is supposed to kind of speed up his recovery, but we've seen him have multiple setbacks at this point. And there's no way that you can just say, okay, he's going to be back then. He's going to be and, back this time. And what would you expect for him when he comes right back? Period. This this what uh, the season and a half at this point yeah, when he comes come back, like unreal expectations. The, the only hope I guess would be from that if he does return this year is that you hope that he is like hitting his stride. If the Bulls are in that playoff playing mix, that's really the biggest thing coming off of that. You know what I'm saying? His reevaluation period. I think um, the earliest, like if, if we're going by that four to six week window um i think it's october 26th possibly that's the four week six week is like november 9th so i mean we'll see like you said though it's it's not gonna be a i don't think it'll be a hit the ground running type of thing right, man. you know he gotta build himself up and that's not it's just not smart anyway exactly. like, from there from his side i mean we've seen it from many other athletes from their side you're trying to protect your investment so Hell no, man. Bring the guy back slowly if everything is clear in the knee and just let him work his way back. Y'all ain't winning no ship this year. So, you know, you got him for a minute. So he's still a young guy. And I love what Drew, uh, what Josh said when we talked about Zoe. And I was just, I was basically like, I, I just didn't think he was ready when he came out of UCLA. It was a smart move. He was the number two pick. He got the guaranteed money and all of that. But I, with his body his body is finally catching up it finally second, gino, up. gino repeat that real quick we hit a little glitch my bad no i was saying me and josh were talking about zoe and i was saying that coming out of college i don't think his he was physically or skillfully ready to play with these pros and josh was like man i think you know now that his skill set finally caught up with the rest of the league his body is trying to catch up now as well and his knee is the culprit. And I felt like that was a very good synopsis of what's going on with Zobar right now. You know what? That brings up an issue and another issue that surrounded the Bulls for so long is just these injuries that this team continues to sustain. The seriousness of the injuries, I feel like every single year the Bulls have multiple players out for two to three months. Do you worry that the right eyes are have not been on Lonzo yet? You know what I mean, is are are the trainers missing something? Ask and Joe Kim Noah. It, it, because I feel it's getting to a point where this is bigger than Lonzo. You know what I mean? Like this is something that he hasn't experienced in his career. And I know it's not it's not uh a surprise for a player to come to the NBA and, or just professional sports in general and have injuries that they never had throughout their career. But I'm looking at how long this has been. And this is something that I, what, what did it start as like a eight week thing? 
I think yeah. like six to eight weeks was like the original time. Back in January. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it just does absolutely nothing to my faith in the Bulls training staff. You know what I mean? And their ability to get him back healthy. So honestly, I'm just worried for his career. I mean, and I know that that's really where we are right now. I really just want to hear that he's back, you know, at a point where he can do on the court activity and things like that, because it's just been too long for the caliber of injury that he initially had, you know? Yeah. I'm so, kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm, I understand where you're coming from, given the history. You're uh, not there yet? Not, not with lines though. Only because like these, these bone bruises can be tricky. We see it with Kendrick Nunn, another Chicago man, Chicago dude. Uh, I think, I think his was in his ankle, though. And by all accounts, I think he's finally ready to play now. So it's going to be like a year. Yeah, a um, entire season. Yeah. So if, if we use that, or that's kind of like what I've been using to kind of judge when, when Lonzo might be back. We're talking about, you know, earliest January, but more than likely, like like Gino said, no, no point in rushing maybe after the All-Star break, you know? Mm-hmm. I like the sound of that, G. Definitely talk me off the edge. <laughs> Without, without man Lonzo because, uh, like we mentioned, he he was probably the most impactful signing oh, in a long by time. Far. By you know far. I mean? In a long time. Well, Go ahead. DeMar, DeMar got a case, too. What, without question. And they were getting busy together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And let's talk about DeMar, though. We, we've kind of breezed over our boy, who was uh, the all-star last year, came in and really – just shit it on every single expectation that uh the pundits and the talking heads gave him coming into this year you're talking about a guy who put up really the best season of his career you know offensively what do you think he will you know has in store for an encore in his chicago bulls era um and then on top of that how far can he can he carry this team again well, he's, he already came out on media today saying, I don't know where these narratives, these old guys, and me getting older, every, you know, maybe can't play. Because considering the fact that he came off and dropping 28 a game last year, and it did, you know, without that 28, and you had Lonzo out, forget it. You might as well, you might as well just, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been in the playoffs. That's just the bottom. So <laughs> because of that, you know, DeMar, DeMar plays a huge role and how this offense goes um, when it comes, especially when it comes to shot clock situations where you need someone to create for, create their own shot in the in the last in the last seconds of the game. Like that's what Demar has come through in in the clutch in every aspect possible. So Demar brings that role and component to the team, but he also brings this 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 toughness. And mental state, this tough mental mentality to the team, to where, you know, they're just not going to always continue to settle for certain things. It's all it's a drive inside of Demar that pushes the team, and that's what helped the team become so successful last season. Combining that with Lonzo Ball's aggression and his emphasis on pushing the ball, it just seems like they were all in cohorts together with the different components that they have to make a beautiful masterpiece that Picasso couldn't even put nothing on at the time. But, you know, you take – you only but when you take out Lonzo's impact that came along with DeMar, DeMar really realized he can't be Toronto Raptors DeMar. 
you're going to have to take that to another level. Um, and, and which in some cases he was like that in the playoffs, but clearly it wasn't enough. So I can't, you can't expect DeMar to take you to the promised land. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. It's where he is right now. You cannot expect him to take him there. However, he can keep you afloat until you get more reinforces, reinforces, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, that's, it ain't no different from what we did with, you know, with Goran. We know Lonzo's the guy. Mm-hmm. Goran will keep you afloat until Lonzo comes back. You know what, Josh? I feel like that thought right there was in every uh, non-crazy Bulls fan's head, you know, when they saw DeMar DeRozan do everything he did last season. It was like, okay, this is dope. Yeah, he's killing shit. He, he got a, a deeper bag than I probably thought he was, but – Still not going to wish. You know what I mean? I feel like that was the the thought that kind of kept everybody's expectations at bay. And that's really why I was kind of surprised to see them run this exact squad back. I'm like, DeMar gave you his heart last year. Now you want everything else? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like now you're coming for everything else? And, and because that's what he's going to have to give for this team to perform at the same level. Unless... You know, unless we, we just talked about Zach, unless he takes a step in, in, into not just a player with a max deal, but a, a max player. You know what I mean? Where, where you like, oh, yeah, you know he's getting that max. It was, you know what I mean? It was a bunch of pushback when Zach got that, you know, got that bag. And I think he deserved it, but it was pushback because we know he's not Katie. You know what I mean? We know he's not Steph. And when you hear max player, even though you look at the players that get max player, it's about your worth to that team. Right, Miles Harris got a max deal, so I mean, right. yeah, no shades of bro, but it's levels to it. That's why that's why it's always funny when people talk about these players' money, though, because I'm like, the, the money is what they work to the team, y'all. So yeah, it's no, not an indicator they spot the lead, you know. Yeah, we ain't we ain't never count nobody else's pockets, man. Get all your money. I'm 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 not mad at none of that. Every cent, take please up, take up as much as y'all can. Shout out to Zach, but. I think what Josh said that stood out to me most about DeMar is the tough, the toughness and the fearlessness that he plays with. And all of that comes from, and Josh, we talked about this last night. That's his upbringing, man. Yeah. That's coming up in the hood. Basketball, this deep T, this is what deep, what we talk about with Derek. MVP, man, that was easy. Bro, y'all know I had to go through folks now, Lord now. You talking about dribbling the basketball? And putting the ball through a hole, man, come on, man. That ain't nothing. So now when you flip the script, you we talk about Zach Levine. <laughs> but again, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not, no, I'm not no. trying to say Zach. I'm not, man, let me tell you. I'm not you know, but that, the, that's the difference. When you, when you look at the makeup, when you look at the makeup of the player, that's the difference. That's what separates DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Obviously, the years. And the experience do too. You know, Demar's played a bunch of different roles, coming from Toronto, being a man, going to San Antonio, learning something different from Pop. Now applying that, now putting both of those together, coming to lead a team in his in you know the later part of his career, I think has helped him evolve so much more. But when you look at the player themselves and the fearlessness and the toughness, when we talk about why I think. Zach could be a better player is the fearlessness and it's the toughness that I just don't think he has. What you think about his basketball IQ? I don't think it's high. You talking about Zach? Yeah. 
it, I don't think it's high. In general, or like late game type situation, all, all around. Did, did okay. you keep the pre, even in the preseason? And I know it's just preseason, but man, that man was turning the ball over way too much, bro. That's what it had to start. That's Come what on, it had man. To start, man. So when you look and what's so one of my favorite guys, Brad. When you look at Bradley Bill, when Brad had to switch his role because the Wizards didn't have a fucking point guard. Excuse my language. Mm-hmm. Brad easily slipped into that role because he's built like that. I just don't think Zach Levine is built like that, bro. He's going to get 25, 5, and 5 because he's that guy. That's nothing that he could do that with his eyes closed. But what else can you do? What else is going to make – what else is going to elevate you in the team to the next level? It's not going to happen. Like Josh said, we can't depend on DeMar to do that. We got to depend on Zach to do that to be able to elevate the rest of those guys. Man. Yeah, I, I would like to see – I'm not the biggest X's and O's dude. Like, you know, Billy Donovan has forgotten more than I ever learned. But I, I need to see him – I want to see some more creativity. I think that as much as they want to play five out, I think DeMar almost needs to be the one initiating the offense just because he's the one that's the least – I want to say the least capable, but he's not taking a bunch of threes. I know he shot really well from three last season on really low volume, but – you know, if you get him in actions with Vucevic and you have somebody screening for Zach off the ball, and Zach is just, he, like we talked about before, he's so athletic. There's so much, I think, still untapped potential within him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think just offensively, like, what can you do to get Zach going more on the offensive side of the ball? What can you do to, to unlock him even more? Like, he's a hell of a shooter, um, shoots the ball at a, at a crazy efficient rate as well. Like this, there's got to be a way you can play that up in the offense with the ball in Demar's hands, and, no, and right. you know what I'm saying. Like, it, right. and again, maybe maybe Billy's done some of this. I, it's just it's missed my eyes, but I, I just need some more creativity, man. Yeah, I, I don't. I think it was way too much one on one with Demar and Zach last year. I feel like, and this is something that I asked Billy a few a few days ago about how are y'all gonna be able to use Vooch more Vooch's all around skill set and not have relegate him to being a three-point shooter because obviously coming from Orlando, like we said at the beginning of the pod, being a man in Orlando all those years and coming here and now you third option and some nights you're trying to just get in where you fit in and not overdo it. But when Zach and DeMar are doing most of the dribbling and initiating of the offense, which really comes down to them getting the shot off because, again, we don't have to – no, there really ain't no driving kick kick because we just don't have the shooters. So a lot of it ends up with Zach and DeMar going one-on-one. DeMar is the master of the midi. Zach, you know, like I said, he he he's capable of taking and making those tough shots. But that's not how you're going to be successful when the game is on the line. So, you know, being able to give Vooch, like you said, uh, Drew, initiating the offense through him, going through him to start the game off, getting him on the low block, getting him in the mid post, getting him in the high post, being able to – Turn up, turn and face, and then make the decision. He, maybe he can put it down and do that ten foot jump hook with the left, or he can drive. And you got Javante, who Josh and T said they hollered at him, and he said, "Yeah, y'all thought I was capping when I said I wasn't gonna be working on my three. His three ball been looking decent this first half. So yes. you know, hey man, I, I, I I'm with you, man. I'm I'm not gonna put no expectations on the guys. I just want to see what they come back." And, and what they've implemented in their offseason. But most of it, I do think, Drew, is on Billy and the staff to be able to put some more things in play. 
because that offense, I mean, hey, man, it gets stagnant at times, and it's going to come down to Zach and DeMar with eight seconds left on the clock. Now y'all got to go one-on-one. And, man, yeah, they gonna teams are going to allow that for the first three quarters of the season. But we saw in that first Milwaukee series, man, let's take DeMar out the game. Not what? We're going to double him. We're going to show him hella help. Have them kick out all oh, them you. We ain't finna go out to you. So many Come on, man. Come so on, man. They NBA, they NBA players, so of course they can shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. But if you think if you think we worried about Caruso, Io, and the mother guys beating us from the three point line, then I got a, uh, I got a, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I got a bunch of stuff to say. Yeah. Well, I wanna, I wanna uh, real quick before I get into the the last little question, I wanna ask you guys. I want to make sure I touched on what Gene was saying about DeMar digging deep and wondering where Zach is going to be digging when it's when it's time to find that next level, right? One of the uh one of the most revealing conversations I've had since we've been doing this, uh, Gino with the Bigs is a conversation I had with Jerry Payton before. And we were at Bears training camp uh back when it was still at Bourbon A, and he was just taking me through his mind of what it was like to be on that uh, Miami Hurricanes team he was on in college with Ed Reed, with Kellen Winslow, with Willis McGahee, Roscoe Paris, just just a, a laundry list of some of the top football players from this era. And he said the, the craziest thing that he experienced was during training camp for the Hurricanes and watching Ed Reed dig so like dig as deep as he as possibly could and and muscle his way through drills and jp said Man, i just did not have that and he, and he completely said it was our upbringing he was like airy came from the trenches you know what i mean and he was like my, my pops came from the trenches but i was living good <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and when i was trying to find that extra oomph i didn't have it <laughs> Mm. And, and that was the difference between me and those guys. And they knew it. You know what I mean? And, yes, it, it didn't take away from the fact that JP is still a great athlete, still right. a world-class athlete. Right. But what what are you digging from? What is that that motivation that, that gives you that edge? And I feel like Zach has to, you know, has to find that. You know what I mean? And I think he's still searching for it. I, I, I think that Zach can be better is basically what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? And as long as I think that's the case, Zach will be fine. But with that said, if if this season is more about the guys just digging a little deeper to be better, then we know that, like you guys said, it has to come from the coaching staff to put these team, put these players in a better position to win, more creative uh, sets, more creative uh, lineups. I feel like Billy Donovan has said, that those are things that he's putting an emphasis on this year. What's it going to look like? What's what's the end result going to be for this team that went out in five games last year? How does this season end for the Bulls? And I want to get our predictions out there before we get anything. So this is a before game one of 82, super fresh uh, prediction. What are you guys thinking, man? We'll go around the horn to close it out. Mm. 44 and 38. Now, is that where is that? Is that like 44? That's good at seven, eight range. 
Yeah. So so the, the the a lot of the a lot of the experts, and you know what Charles Barkley said, ain't none of us experts. We just get paid to talk about basketball. But a lot of the experts have picked the Bulls. I've seen a lot of them, what you guys are saying in that play-in realm. Now, me and Josh talked about it last night, and we can count, you know, we can start with the teams that are obviously better than the Bulls, you know, Philly, Boston, Miami, Brooklyn. Philly, Miami, Boston, Brooklyn. Yeah. Now, now, let's go through the rest of the teams. Now, we talk about Cleveland, who just picked up Donovan Mitchell. You got uh, – Come on, y'all, help me out. You say Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Did yeah, I say you said Milwaukee? Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Cleveland, Charlotte. You still got Toronto too. Toronto, Toronto. So they finished in front of the Bulls last year. Uh, then you got the Knicks in the mix. The Knicks, uh, the Pistons, uh, the Pacers, and the Wizards, mm -hmm. and the Magic. That rounds out the East. Last year, last year the Bulls finished six with the Raptors, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Heat finishing in front of them. The Nets finished two games behind the Bulls, followed by the Hawks, the Cavaliers, and the Hornets to finish out the top ten. So, so you say the so. Bulls finished with a, a 44, uh, 44 wins next year. The Nets finished with 44 last year, and that was good enough for a seventh place in the East. That's, I feel I like that. I feel like that might be eight. You know. So here's my thing. Yes, the East has gotten better, but I don't know if it's gotten good enough to unjam that five through ten space where everybody was separated between five games. I mean, the Bulls have forty six wins. The Hornets have 43. And you talk about the six and the 10 spot. Yeah. So I'm thinking that the Bulls are gonna be exactly in that same damn space. And that's in my that's basketball hell. You're talking about the six seed, six, seven seed. And I, I'm willing enough, I go there. The Bulls are gonna be the six seed. I'm not sure how many wins they'll get. I think with all that, whatever shakes down in the east, they'll find their way back into the six seed next year just the, the same way they was finding themselves into that seven spot in the draft you somehow i think that six spot is just going to be attached to them and i'll say this i'm not sure i'm if the, the if the raptors will finish in front of the bulls again and i'm not willing to say for certain that the hawks have jumped the bulls if a team jumps them i'll, I'll give them the nets i'll say the okay. Nets is better than what, the seven seed. what about cleveland Cleveland is a new team that is going to have to go through their growing pains. And, and if continuity matters, won't they be better than the team that was just together for a few months? You know what I mean? If continuity matters, then I still put the Cavaliers underneath the Bulls, even with the additions that they made, even with the progression of their young players. I love that Karis LeVert trade at the end of the year. Last year, our boy Evan Mosley, and of course Darius Garland. I mean, the show he put on all last year, it was it was the shit. I'm still taking the Bulls over them right now. Yeah, I still have questions about the Cavs, just in terms of who's gonna be playing 
I guess what would it be the three is gonna be a coro. Gotta um, be Dean Wade. Like who's gonna be playing in 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 the coro? You know, I, I like him as a defensive player. I like what he brings energy wise, that toughness. Yeah. Um, but my man's got to prove he can knock down some shots too. So that that's where I kind of I'm at with them. But then again, I feel like Donovan Mitchell has always been a thorn in the Bulls' side. Now you putting him with <laughs> two All Stars. In, in Garland and, and Mobley or Garland and um uh, big man big man and there you go Jared Allen Jared Allen yeah you know a rookie of the year runner up and Mobley I don't know man like it, it's it's gonna be tough I think I I'm I'm leaning toward them finishing seventh I don't know where the where the record was stand but like you said I, I think I'm definitely throwing Brooklyn ahead of them just because you toss out you say what you want to say about Ben Simmons but you put him with with Kyrie and 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 KD and you still got Joe Harris. I think it's coming back healthy. Seth Curry, you know, you're taking a flyer on um, TJ Warren. Like I think they got a nice little team over there. They traded for Royce O'Neal. Like it's some nice little pieces. They still kind of small, but um, I think he's gonna fall into a decent amount of wins in Brooklyn just based off just off GP. So yeah, yeah, man. I'm going. Kyrie was missing every. Every home game, so Kyrie got to come get that check, so he ain't missing shit this year. <laughs> Man, look, what you got, Josh? What I got is like pretty much. I got cleaning products. That's what I got. <laughs> you go to the store, you get your Lysol. Make sure the disinfectant spray <laughs> is replaced intact, and you see on the on the, on the bottle. It's 99.9 percent effective. You still get that point one. That point one is my hope of the Bulls not playing in the playing tournament. Wow! Uh, <laughs> I told you the margin. The margin is like small margin, and this is why I think we are underestimating the Lonzo Ball impact that he brings to this team. Because when the Bulls lost him completely. There are moments where, where you know, uh, COVID protocols took in. Tomorrow missed a lot of games. Zach missed games. But the team st- still stayed afloat because Lonzo was the steady – he was the engine that made this team go. When Lonzo left, when Lonzo had to come out because of that injury, the ship sank. There was no barely staying afloat and all that stuff. No, that mug sank, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to even get a chance to play in the play-in, you got to let them all stay afloat. No matter how many holes are in that boat, you got to keep put, digging that water out. I don't know if Lonzo's going to be healthy enough and come back at the right enough time to give the Bulls what they need to, to get them to that extra level to where they can, like you said, they're still going to be jammed. But even in that jam, get just a little bit of space within that 5 to 10 range because, yeah, this question marks about the new teams, Cleveland, things of that sort. But when you when we talk about the Eastern Conference, Philly's different. Philly got a healthy James Harden, a determined James Harden with Joel Embiid, and you got PJ Tucker. That addition is big. And Melton, like they, man. And Tyrese, don't forget about Tyrese coming back. back. Yes, and you got Tyrese Maxi, and you got Tyrese Maxi over there. I know we don't know what Atlanta gonna look like, but that Dejounte Murray uh, deal. Right, put him on the tray was pretty decent. That dude, he's that you know, that's decent. Miami is Miami, 
you can't expect them to fall off very uh, fall off bad or worse than they did before. You always expect no, them to come back. They could very well be the best team in the East, you know? Nah, not, not this year. Not Miami. Nah. They I think they're gonna they're gonna feel that PJ Tucker loss, man. All right, you're gonna get the Eminem looking like Eminem, Eminem gonna look like I'm coming there and start balling with that new four year $130 million, $130 million <laughs> deal. Smack it. I tell you one thing that the Miami Heat is one of the teams that scare me when you're talking about competition for any trade that may come up. You know I mean, if Dame is looking for another home, and I thought we was going to make it a whole episode without me throwing it out there, Gino. Don't do Dame it. At some point. Leave my guy out your – keep place. my guy's name out your mouth, man. <laughs> Miami, Miami just itching, you know, for that situation to happen. So I keep, I keep Miami in the fold because I still love the way they do things over there. The talent is there front office yeah. is there and they got the pieces to make a big splash so uh but i feel you on that the east is definitely grown not just at the bottom but at the top for sure yeah, I, I don't know i just don't know i just don't i don't that want that point one percent is getting <laughs> me right now when it comes to the play you may see them playing the Cavs or somebody like that in the, in the playing and let's be serious Cavs were no joke even last year when they played Kyrie and them in brooklyn All right that, that's that's another that's a, that team better this year. I don't know, man. I want I, I can see them being in that seven eight range for sure. But with that being part of the playing tournament now, one game for the Bulls compared to everybody else. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, let me just throw this out there, man. I read somewhere, uh, you know, those two game winners that Demar hit. Without those two, they in the play in last year. Like that's how small the margins are, man. Real on the real. It's, it's and and low key on the Cleveland tip. Little JB got them guys hooping, man. I think little JB got to get get a little more credit, little man. And out of, little JB, bigger staff, man. He got he got to get some a little more credit out here in these streets. But also, you know, Darius Garland is one of my guys, so. Here from Gary. Now he got another backcourt mate he can trust. You got them two guys up top that ain't going. Like, like <laughs> Drew, if I, I mean, if Isaac Okoro, if he can become that corner, knock down that corner three that he's going to need to. I mean, we know what he means defensively to, to the team, athletically, can guard one through four. It's going to be energetic and it's going to always get that effort. But if he can be that guy for them, Cleveland is going to surprise the hell out the East. All right, on that note, I'm looking forward to this season with you guys, man, just delivering the dopest content that we possibly can. Home games, on the road. You'll catch the bigs all over the all over the map this year for the Chicago Bulls. Looking forward to Drew and Josh really bringing the fire this year. On the real, man. Definitely Thank glad to so have y'all guys. Definitely yeah. glad to have you guys on board. More than worthy to, to – to continue to, to carry the bigs flag with us, man. And y'all already know whatever whatever y'all need from us, man. We a call, a text, or a, 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 a Instagram DM away. So fire away, man. And our only thing is, man, do y'all. We ain't, you know, no holes barred over here, man. We do us, and that's what separates us and, and, and keeps us afloat out here. So next week is cracking, Joe. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, man. And on that note, that was Bulldogs, another of the bigs production. Looking forward to our next installment. We'll see when that is. We'll keep everybody in tune when episode two will be. 
Uh, but until then, that was episode one. For my brothers, Drew, Josh, and Gino, I'm Terrence, man. Until next time, it's us. You already know. Peace.